0: Hello, and welcome to the Cocktails and Conversation podcast. I'm Dana Marie Rockmore, the founder of the Dinner Party Project and co founder of the Welcome House. I'll be inviting intriguing guests over to my home to chat about some of my favorite things cocktails, story, the Enneagram, and rest. This episode of Cocktails and Conversation is brought to you by the Dinner Party Project. The Dinner Party Project is all about connecting humans around the dinner table. Right now, we are mostly based in Orlando, Florida. Whether it's joining seven strangers in an intimate setting around a dinner table or sitting in the street of Orange Avenue with 100 others watching flamethrowers, we love helping people feel connected to others and their city. We also offer private parties, so if you have a birthday, anniversary, team building dinner or corporate event coming up, we can create a custom memorable event that you and your guests won't soon forget. We also help brands connect with their consumers by exposing their product in an elevated way to their target demographic. So if you live in the Orlando area, haven't joined us yet, what are you waiting for? We can't wait to hear your story around the dinner table. For more information, you can visit us at thedinnerpartyproject.co. Hello, friends. Thank you for being with me in this and still listening. So I have really enjoyed getting back into being able to sit uh, at a safe distance away from folks and share their stories and listen to their stories. It has been um, a beautiful thing to kind of help get back to some normalcy. So very excited about my guest today, Kelly Romano. She has been a dear friend for about five years, and um, we'll get into her story in a second, but first, I wanted to share the recipe for the novella that we made, and it is very quickly becoming one of my favorite drinks. My brother James taught it to me when I was in Nashville, and now I cannot stop making it. It's just, I don't know, and it's also gin, which is my summer drink, so, um, yeah, the way that you make it, it's called novella, is um, you will get a shaker and then you'll you know fill it with halfway fill it with uh, if you can crushed ice, uh, which is the best. Um, if not, then fill obviously fill it with ice. Um, you're gonna add an ounce of Waterloo gin number no. nine, which is makes for excellent cocktails in most anything and then you're gonna add, of creme de violette, which is a liqueur that you can find at like ABC or total wine. And it has this beautiful purple color. It's very lavender and oh, it just has this very distinct light, obviously floral taste. Um, From there, you're gonna add 0.75 of fresh-squeezed lemon juice. And this is all for one drink, of course. So, uh, lemon juice, and then you're gonna add a half ounce of triple sec, which is always good to have on hand. And then 0.25 ounce of, so just a little little touch of St. Germain makes it so, I don't know, beautiful and sweet so good so you're going to shake all that up for at least one minute um like i said hopefully with the crushed ice and if you can double strain it to um catch any of that um, if that crushed ice kind of gets through so from there uh pour it into a chilled coop or just a regular coop and garnish it with some orange zest and it smells so delicious as you're drinking it. So if you want to make that at some point, let me know if you do. It is really, really good. And Kelly Romano, uh, it is finally so, not finally, but it is amazing to always share in, you know, learning about yourself and the Enneagram types. And there's people that you just kind of naturally gravitate towards. And Kelly was one person I met her five years ago Um, she was giving a a talk at Creative Mornings and she was the creative director for The Magic and I just thought she was so boss and incredible and I just went up and introduced myself and I was like hey um, I love what you had to say and so from there we just kind of like got to know each other and then as the years went on really got to be friends and she has had you know so many seasons of her life and she is an incredibly talented woman and has worked in some really amazing high level challenging um areas and and uh yeah so i was really excited to chat about our enneagram type which is type 8 and kind of how it feels to live in the skin of a type 8 um and the things that we challenge are challenging so anyway i hope that you'll enjoy listening to kelly's story and thank you for continuing to support and to listen in and we're not doing regular dinner parties right now of course but we are doing private parties which is an incredible way to support the dinner party project at this time so if you have any reason for a small gathering we would love to help and enjoy this episode Be great. Hey Kelly. Hey. Welcome to Cocktails and Conversation. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, thank you for being here. This is a lifesaver on so many levels. I just miss. I mean, we are we are literally sitting six feet apart. Yes. As we should in this moment. Yes. But it is lovely to have like a human being in the room that is not myself.
1: Yes. Right? It's, it's bringing me so much joy. So much right joy. Now.
0: <laughs> As is this cocktail. Yes, it is. That is in our hand. I wish we could. We usually cheers, but we're too far away. Cheers.
1: <laughs> cheers. Clink.
0: So we will pretend to cheers. We will not pretend to drink this drink because it is so good. So delicious. Gah. So this is a cocktail that my brother James taught me when I... Recently visited him in Nashville, like I said. So, it's called a Novella, which is quickly becoming one of my absolute favorite drinks. And, of course, like, gin in the summertime is always a most beautiful thing. It's novella? A Novella, oh, yeah. I
1: love that. They kind of
0: did a twist on it, and then they named it their own thing. And I was like, well, this is it. It's got Waterloo Gin, number nine. Creme de Violet. Mm. So delish. The Lemon Juice, fresh. Um, triple sec, surprisingly. Yes. And then they added a little bit of the Saint Germain to the cocktail and shake it all up and do a little orange zest That's on top. That's my
1: favorite part. The orange, orange zest. zest? Yes. Okay. Because you smell it before you, smell smell you it. take a sip mm-hmm. and it just like, it's delicious. It is delicious.
0: Thank you. Oh, it is literally my pleasure. It's so much better than drinking alone. <laughs> I agree. I have done for most of I mean not exclusively, but I have done a lot of drinking alone <laughs> during the past 4 months.
1: Well, this is I haven't had a delicious cocktail in months. Mm. Um it's been primarily seltzers and sour beers because they're just super easy and they're good out by the pool. So this right. is definitely a treat.
0: Great. Yeah. Well, maybe you can figure out how to make it when you're in your own. I
1: know. I should should glass it
0: up a little bit. (laughs) It's not that hard to (laughs) make. No. And then it feels kind of like we were talking about working and kind of having moments of, like, separating from work and having a moment to just enjoy something. So I feel like sometimes at the end of the day, like, a cocktail is something that I can have one of, you know, and just, like, look forward to that and have something nice, I don't know, at the end of the day. So we are in unprecedented times. Um, we've just passed four months of quarantine.
1: Wow. Yep.
0: Ish. Um, we know that people are adhering at different levels (laughs) (laughs) to this moment, um, which can be very frustrating. Um, how have you like been feeling like during this time? Um, what has changed? You
1: know, the the first I think two months of of being quarantined was was really difficult for me um, because I'm used to being around a lot of people. And, um, so making that adjustment of, um, not being around a lot of people and not going anywhere mm-hmm. was, was, I'm I'm usually like so busy, like every minute it was, was always just packed and it went mm-hmm. from like, you know, nothing. Um, and that was a big adjustment. I, I've definitely adjusted to being at home um, much more, I'm much more comfortable. And oddly enough, um, I'm actually a lot less comfortable going out and being around people. Hmm. So it's been really, really odd for me, um, to have been such a big extrovert to now being like this introvert that, I'm. I'm, you know, like, I don't want to go out anywhere.
0: Is that mostly because Mm -hmm. of wanting to honor other people and not be exposing yourself? Or is it like just even the thought of being around people feels exhausting?
1: Yeah, I I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, being around people, I'm just like super hyper aware of my surroundings and like, Mm -hmm. you know, how close people are to me and, you know, how close I am to other people. But it's also, you know, um, I I guess my, my biggest fear would be of contracting it unknowingly and then, um, transmitting it to my family, um, or someone else. And then they get very sick. Um, Mm -hmm. I would just feel absolutely horrible if something like that happened and, Mm and, and, and somehow it was traced back to me. So I'd, I'd much rather just be safe and cautious and, um, you know, do my part.
0: Sure. I feel that. And then I feel also like I am an extrovert, so the lack of a lot of human interaction is also, I feel like, taking a toll on, like, I understand why we have to do this. And, like, very cautiously when I do see people, but it's, like, four months of really having a reduced interaction is, like... I think really challenging for me and I'm like ready for it to be over and it feels safe again. Yes. Right. So I wanna feel safe. Yes. But we are not out of this thing by a long shot, especially Floridians have really Right not done well by this (laughs) moment of history. So (laughs) but yeah, it feels it feels like a new normal in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah. But
0: and you're working from home, working obviously. F- yep,
1: working from home, doing everything from home. Right. Um, and you got a new job, new brand new right job. As- yep. So I'm a senior design manager for the southeast division of the United States for PepsiCo. Um, Heard of them. Primarily <laughs> doing. Um, all beverages. So all, all brands consisting of Pepsi products, Mountain Dew, Gatorade, water, juices. Um, it's quite a large portfolio. So sure. So it's been pretty awesome.
0: I am so glad. Yeah. That you landed somewhere that you could like dig in and that you could do remotely.
1: Two weeks um, before quarantine. Mm-hmm. So I was in the office for two weeks and then we were quarantined. So since then I've been working at home. Um, so in a way it's been actually really nice, um, because I've had a lot of interactions, I think with people through zoom mm-hmm. that I probably wouldn't have had it. They would have been more of like conference calls or phone calls sure. opposed to zoom. Um, so because of that, zoom I think that is the new normal. Yeah. Zoom yeah. is the new, I'm on zoom like six to eight hours a day. God, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, but because of that, I think that I've been able to gain some really um, great relationships um, through that. Right. Um, but they did say, yeah, they did studies. They sh- study showed that um, when you're on Zoom, you use twenty percent more energy mm-hmm. um, of your brain than you would if you were not on Zoom because you're you're thinking of so many other things than just like what you're supposed to be thinking of like Hmm. whatever the meeting is or whatever you know you're meeting on that's so fascinating because you're looking at it you're looking at your hair how do I look what do other people look like what is what's going on behind me are the kids yelling are pets jumping up I mean there's so many like additional factors that you your mind is working processing while while. you're trying to have the meeting while you're trying to work so at the end of the day. I'm absolutely exhausted. And you're like, well, I was just on Zoom all day, but it's, it's literally, it's your, your mind is just like mm-hmm. going at like an a extra rate. Yeah. 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 You need a break. That's crazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So at the end of the day, um, as I was mentioning, sometimes at the end of the day, I like to have a cocktail. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And in pre-COVID times, we used to go out for cocktails
1: all the time. Do you have um,
0: <laughs> a favorite drink or like a go-to drink? Like, what is something that you kind of like order could order anywhere? Or is
1: well, a for me, it's, it's typically depending on like where where I'm going. I okay. have my favorites. I would say the the, the my top uh, place to be is. Um, Outside at Hillstone, Uh in the back on the lake. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I go to Hillstone, um, I would order a dirty gin, extra chilled martini. Okay. With blue cheese stuffed olives. Okay. Yes.
0: Very specific.
1: Very specific. So delicious. They nail it. They make... They make the best dirty martini, okay. in my opinion. Um, and what I also love is while you're outside, if the server comes around to check on you and sees that you're, you know, maybe halfway through your cocktail, she'll bring you a fresh, frosted martini glass. To pour it into? Yes, so that it stays chilled, which is just a Those really, people. really nice touch. Right. Yes, <laughs> it always makes me extra happy.
0: <laughs> right. I just want
1: this martini to last. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> gosh i can't imagine like sitting outside with a martini obviously right now we're in the dead middle of summer um when it's like a thousand degrees outside but it would be that would be extra oh, nice delicious if you had like an extra cold martini yes 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 and it stayed cold forever um do you have any other spots around town that you used to frequent
1: Yes, or I love the Tom Collins from The Guest House. The Guest House. Yes. Mm-hmm. And those delicious cherries they put in there. Yeah. Um are you know, nice. Tom Collins. Um, they're just, you just have to be careful because they're mm. so delicious. You and can, light. Yes. So you can blaze through them. Yes. And then need
0: an Uber. Whoops.
1: <laughs> and then I loved, loved going to GB's bottle shop um, over in Ivanhoe Village and having oh. sour beers. I love sour beers. You would love sour yes. beers. Yes. I like nothing of the sort. But
0: I'm <laughs> so glad that you um, have a, a thing that you enjoy.
1: Yeah, the yeah. more sour, the better.
0: Oh, all the things of beer and sour is like the antithesis of anything that I would be interested <laughs> in. <laughs> I don't know. I want – no, thank you. Um, but I'm so glad that you enjoy those. Do you ever make things in your home? Are you home? Do you have any, like
1: – If I make it at home, um, I home it's usually real simple, mm-hmm. like gin and soda with a double lime.
0: Like, I mean, gin and tonic, gin and tonic. Yeah. Right I, there. I love I love, I love a, a simple, yeah, gin, lime, and tonic water. Mm-hmm. I
1: love, um, you know, opening up, you know, a nice red wine. Okay. It's always great. That's always really relaxing. Right. Um, but I, I love to cook. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think I spend more time thinking about recipes that to cook and less about like what cocktail. So it's kind of like, let's just open up a bottle of wine while I'm cooking and poof then the bottle's gone right.
0: whoops <laughs> no room for cocktails <laughs> whoops <laughs> fair enough so i will right i will um have to send you some recipes that would just be like super simple okay easy i would love to, that like have on hand when you're at home okay yeah okay so as complicated as this, <clears throat> excuse me, as it seems, it's really not that complicated It's not that hard.
1: No, I watched you make this cocktail. I know it was easy. It it's, looked it, easy. It's pretty easy. but
0: it's just like having it being like, oh, I know I have these ingredients, and I know I can just throw them together, and then voila, I will have a delicious beverage in my hand, <laughs> which has been my life for the past few months, which I'm not mad about. That part I'm not mad about. There are other parts of my life that are a little bit tougher than drinking a cocktail. Yes. But yes. that has been a pastime of mine. So I think one of the most fascinating things is we don't really get a choice of where we're placed in the universe, right? So we get dropped off here. Um, we don't get to choose our parents, location in the world, our socioeconomic status. We don't really choose much of anything, um, and those, I think, formative years really shape. You know, we have our DNA, so I think that, that is given to us, obviously. And then we have kind of our formative years within our family unit. You know, like our um, our given family. There's a term for this that I'm nuclear family. Yeah, but anyway, like your given family. Mm-hmm. Um. I think shape a lot of things. And of course we grow into, you know, adults and can shape more of who we want to become, but I would love to know kind of what those formative years, like what was growing up in Kelly's household, like, like, how did that feel? Like, do you have siblings Are do you, or are you in an oldest youngest?
1: Yeah. Give me the, all the things. So I'm the oldest of four. Okay. Um, my mom actually had me when she was 17. So she was a very young mom. Um, and so when I was very young, I just remember her, um, you know, just working really hard Hmm. to take care of me. Um, and I spent a lot of time with my grandmother who I absolutely, um, adored. Hmm. Um, she was, the most um, influential and, and most important person, I think, in in, in my childhood and, and growing up into um, you know up until college. And so, um, I was born in, in New York, in upstate New York, Mm -hmm. um, where, uh, in a little tiny town called Hammondsport, New York, um, super tiny. It's on Keuka Lake. So we actually got to spend some time, you know, in the summers, like going into the lake, jumping Mm -hmm. off of a dock, um, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of just like fun Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, was it near the Hudson Valley? No. Okay. Mm -mm. It's more West. Okay. Yeah. So, um, cause that is one place that I could like put oh, down some roots. Yeah. This was like a really, really tiny town. Okay. Know, like really small. And I still thank my parents for moving us to Florida. Hmm. Um, because you know, I was just, I think ha- happier living in Florida. I think there was more opportunity, mm-hmm. um, more experience, more things to do. You know, how old up, were you when you moved? I was 10. Okay. So, my mom got married to my stepdad, um, and uh, we moved to Florida. My grandparents moved first. So, when my grandparents moved, I was absolutely devastated. Just just crushed. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, pro- probably depressed, like you know, as a eight year old for sure. Sure. Um, and so when they said we were moving to Florida and we were actually going to move like a couple blocks away from my grandparents, you were uh, all in. Oh my gosh. I was, I was just, I was so happy. I was so thrilled. Mm-hmm. Um, so we moved to Florida and then, you know, it was just really beautiful. I mean, we live part of Florida. We moved to Cape Coral, Florida, which is mm-hmm. down by Fort Myers. Mm-hmm. Um, And so it was nice. I had my great-grandmother and my great-grandfather who lived in in Cape Coral as well. They had moved uh, quite a few years earlier um, from upstate New York. And so then my aunts moved to Florida shortly after. So all of a sudden migration, yeah, everybody migrated. And then we all kind of lived a few blocks away from each other. So when I grew up, you know, we were, you know, an Italian family, my, my mom and my grandparents were from Long Island. So everything was very loud. Um, all the time. And there was a lot of family around, a lot of, um, a lot of food and cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that really has been instilled in me. Um, just, uh, being around people with food and drinks and mm-hmm. laughing and, and having, a, having a great time. So mm-hmm. I personally, that's the one Italian my, way. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things to do sure. is to what have Italian? I'm sorry. Was your stepdad Italian? He, no, he wasn't Italian. Okay. No, but he came from a family. He, he has nine siblings, so he came. I'm from- I'm sorry. What? He, yeah, yeah. My stepdad has nine siblings. There was a total of ten of them. Are they so, Catholic? No. No. <laughs> no. Nope. Lord. Yep. Just had a lot of siblings. <sighs> yeah. And um, you know, he grew up pretty poor. So, um, because there were so many kids. So I think, you know, when we moved to Florida, he worked really hard, um, and created a really nice life, life for us. Mm -hmm. Um, we didn't have much, um, you know, I, I remember, you know, my mom uh, growing up, my mom would make a steak. We would have steak for dinner and that would be like a really, you know, kind of like a special thing, Mm -hmm. but it would literally be one steak and she would cut it up in pieces and serve all of us. And that was great like that's that was special to us and mm-hmm. that's how i grew up and it wasn't until i went to college and i got my first job as a waitress at Outback Steakhouse <laughs> that i realized that people actually like order full steaks for themselves and yeah. and eat that much like Meat steak to themselves i had no idea because we had we had always just we had one steak and we shared it so to see somebody eat an entire porterhouse um, or even like, you know, a 12 ounce sirloin to like that, that the first time I realized that it just like blew me away. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I had no right. idea people did that. Everybody at the table could have their own steak. Everybody had their own steak. I had never seen that before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had, we, we would always have a lot of food. It was a lot of pasta, meatballs, sausage, things like that. But, you know, so it's just kind of, kind of, you know, those learning experience that you're like, huh. Okay. So maybe the way I grew up was a little bit different than what I had thought in my mind at the time. Sure.
0: What was kind of like the feeling or like the vibe in your house? Was it kind of like like you said, like pretty chaotic or like pretty loving or pretty like distant from your parents or.
1: Well, we we always had a lot of family around, mm-hmm. um, but I am the oldest. So and a girl. And, yeah. And, um, you know, my mom actually ended up having my brother and sister when I was in high school. Um, so that, that was unique for me. Um, I had a, I have a sister that's four years younger than me. Mm -hmm. So we were really close growing up because we were never really in the same school. And we were just like four years was just like that much Mm -hmm. of an age difference. Sure. And then my mom, um, you know, my stepdad didn't have any biological kids, um, and so they wanted to have have more. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, I was in high school. So in my mind, my mom was like too old to, you know, be pregnant and have more kids. And I was just, you know, like embarrassed. And I was actually really horrible about it to her. I thought it was just when like, she was pregnant or like was having more kids yeah yeah because you know I was like oh my gosh I'm gonna be in high school my mom's gonna be pregnant Um meanwhile she was only in her 30s <laughs> 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 You know, she she reminded me when I was in my thirties, she's like, um, yeah, so this is how I, I, old I was when I had your brother. And I was like, oh my gosh, you were so young. Right. Um, but yeah, I was really bratty about it. I, I, I just assumed I was going to be this built in babysitter, which mm. I wasn't. Um, mm. and so, um, so it was really unique having, you know, two, a toddler and a baby, um, you know, in the house when I was in high school. Right. So at that point, I, you know, I kind of, I just was never home. I just always kind of like, I, I was very really? involved in school. Right. So I, I was, you know, my schedule was pretty packed with all kinds of stuff. And, and then on the weekends I, I, I'd, I'd be with friends, you know, Right. I'd, I would always be the one spending the night out because, you know, we couldn't be, we always had to be quiet because there were babies in the house. Sure. Sleeping yeah. through the night, yeah, was yeah, yeah. Um, and I had my grandparents' house, so I mm. spent a lot of time over there. I would retreat over there. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's something about being the first grandchild that is the absolute mm. best. Um, you know, there's just they invested a lot. Yeah, I mean they they would tell me I I definitely was the favorite. <laughs> <laughs> And I know I was the favorite (laughs) (laughs) because I was the first, but I just, I loved, um, I loved being with them so much. There was, there was just something, but it didn't matter when it was, whether it was announced or unannounced. But when I came into the house, there was just this, like, always this elated joy of them seeing me and being excited and want to know everything about what was happening in my Hmm. life. And to me, that was just... The greatest thing ever. Um, my grandmother also uh, really instilled in me, you know, work ethic. Like, don't be afraid to keep trying. Just keep trying, mm. keep trying, keep trying. It doesn't matter how many times you fail. Just keep trying. Right. Um, did she have a career? She didn't. She so didn't. she did not have a career. Right. Yeah. And so she, I think, wanted a career. Um, and so there was a period of time where she kept trying to be, uh, take the real estate exam and she kept failing. Mm. Um, you know, she barely had a high school education. Um, and so I remember her just studying and studying and taking the test and then mm-hmm. telling us she failed and then studying and studying and taking it. And she just kept trying and trying and trying. And, you know, that really, that really stuck with me. Right. Um,
0: and her so persistence. Mm-hmm,
1: yeah. yeah, which is, um, the meaning of the tattoo that I have, which is resolute. Uh So yeah. Yeah. It just reminds me. Keep going.
0: Keep going. Yep. Amen. Well, that is a lesson that we all need in this moment. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Just keep going. But we're going to backtrack a little bit. So like, what was Kelly like in middle school and high school? Oh, boy.
1: Well, I was the new girl in fifth grade. So I moved to Florida when I was 10. So I was the new girl. Right. Um, And so even going into middle school, I think I was still like the new new girl. Yeah. But I was really establishing like a nice group of friends Um, in middle school. Middle school, you know, is insecure. You know, it's like you're you're awkward and you're just trying to like figure it out, um, figure out, you know, I wanted to try everything. I wanted to do gymnastics mm. and ballet and dance and jazz. And so art naturally and you were curious about the world. I was very curious about the world and I wanted to do everything, but I never had the opportunity. It was either not available to me or, we couldn't afford it Mm -hmm. or, you know, um, when I was older, more in high school, it was like, well, you know, we've got the little kids to kind of take care of. Um, but he did, I always want, I wanted to try so many things. Yeah. I wanted to try so many things. Um, I was just always really curious, um, to find out what I was good at, um, and the possibilities, um, and a lot of those things, you know, weren't, weren't available. Um, so, I, um, I found cheerleading. I was able to do cheerleading. Mm -hmm. So, um, I started that when I was in middle school. Um, and that was really fun. And that allowed me to find, uh, you know, a a large group of friends. And Mm -hmm. I think that that was really, um, the beginning of me like, liking being around a lot of, a lot of people, big groups of people. And being really extroverted. So finding yourself like feeling you got more enjoyment
0: and more comfortability. Because knowing you now, obviously, I feel like you're somebody that like has loved like being out and being very sociable. Yes. Right. So kind of those um, those moments of. I, I mean, obviously, who we are in middle school doesn't. Always equate to like. I mean, we're just starting to find ourselves. So this is you kind of finding. It
1: was the beginning, right? Yeah, the 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 yeah, the beginning of just kind of finding out what I what I what I liked, I think, and mm-hmm. who I thought I wanted to kind of um, grow into. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there was something about coming from a really really small town, and even still living in a small town. Mm-hmm. You know, Cape Coral is not not a big. Like city. It was, it was very, very, very small.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, knowing that I always, um, you know, kind of wanted something bigger. Interesting. Yeah. And I think that that came from my grandmother as well. Right. Um, you know, just kind of her instilling in me that there's bigger things out there, you know, right. she was born in Chicago and then moved to, um, Brooklyn, and then Long Island, and then, you know, Florida. So she was always telling me stories about these, the, the big cities, and that was just definitely something I wanted she to do. She had kind of, like, seen the world and the exposure
0: to that. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Just, like,
1: mm-hmm. Arts letting and people know
0: that, right, or not yeah. letting people know, but letting you know right. what the possibilities are.
1: And so how did that spark within you? Because you went from high school to – I went uh, from high school to college. I went to Ringling College of Art and Design mm-hmm. um, in Sarasota. Um, wasn't it's my first plan. Away. Nope. O- only an hour and fifteen minutes away. Right. Um, but um, I wanted I wanted to go to Florida State. They had a photography program um, because when I was in high school, that's when I really found out that I really uh, wanted to pursue art. Mm. Um, and I, I loved photography. Um, I loved it. And um, I wanted to be a photojournalist. Do you and, still do photography? Um, I would say not. Not at the level I think that that is out there now. I mean, it's just uh-huh. it's so convenient to take photos with your iPhone. But I don't consider that, you know,
0: hmm. real
1: photography. But I find great enjoyment in taking photos of yeah. food and when I'm on my walks and, you know, just traveling. Um, I, I love doing that. And I, I I wish I would do more of it and, hmm. you know, but more traditional photography. Right. But you went to Ringling. I went to Ring, So I didn't get accepted to into Florida State. Uh-huh. I didn't get accepted. That was probably one of the um, first heartbreaks that I think I had. Um, I was also the only person in my family who was, who was going to college. So I'm Hmm. I'm first generation. Right. Um, So a lot of it was just kind of like figuring it out, um, you know, how to apply. Um, It was kind of a late starter. So Mm -hmm. um, it didn't work to my advantage um, because I actually did really well in school. Um, I got really good grades. I was really active in school. Um, So it was really, you know. So when
0: you got to high school, you're kind of like, I'm going to consume as much almost as like I can or that is available to me within my interest.
1: Yeah. I well, I I was in a definitely in a clicky group for sure. Okay. Um, But yes, the 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 group, I think my group of friends, we all, you know worked hard at school. Like, you know, we, we were in sports and we, we tried to do well academically and Mm -hmm. participate in clubs and, um, nothing to the level that they expect the kids to do now. I mean, nothing to that level. I mean, it is really crazy. What is expected of, Mm. of the kids in high school now and what they have to go through to get into college. Um, I just needed, A better SAT score (laughs) and apply earlier. Right. Um, But yeah, so I didn't, I didn't think I would get accepted into Ringling. Um, I was really intimidated because you have to go in front of a review board and you have to show a portfolio. At like 17? Yeah. Yep. Fresh out of high school, 17. So I was super nervous about that. Um, And then they said, yeah, your portfolio is great. You're accepted. Um, And that was that. And then like a month later, I was packing up all my things and moving to Sarasota and starting college. Mm -hmm. And that's really when um, I realized like I had not seen any, any of the world (laughs) prior to that. Sure. Um, Because I went to school. It was an it's an international school. Mm -hmm. So the majority of the students are from all over the world. So all of a sudden, I was you're in a cultural oh, like melting amazing. pot. It right. was amazing. Yeah, yeah. I was all of a sudden surrounded by people from all different cultures and countries and ethnicities, languages, um, and it it really um, it really was quite an experience to be surrounded by that. And I felt really lucky, mm-hmm. Sca- scared. It was intimidating. You know, you're you're. You're constantly being critiqued at the work that you put out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be really tough, especially when you're, um, you know, surrounded by people who are really, really talented. Um, so that was, that, was, that was some tough times there. Definitely.
0: Sure. hmm. That would be interesting to be. I mean, within the arts, having the creative imagination within you. And then I think like within the school context, you have to kind of like execute that creative imagination to whatever level the assignment is.
1: Yeah. And I, it wasn't uh, your typical college lifestyle. Mm. I mean, we, we went five days a week, um, six hours a day, every wow. day. We yeah. had three classes a day and each class was three hours. so we would get an hour for lunch. So we would start school nine. We would end at six. We had an hour for lunch, but then you have art projects right? and you know, you could be up all night. I mean, you just don't know how long it's going to take you. So then you had lab time, you had, you know, paintings, drawings. Mm. Um, and so it was, it was very, very vigorous. Um, but I had a good work ethic already. So it wasn't That wasn't what was difficult. I think what was really hard was, um, you know, I had to get a job while I was in college. So I worked um, Friday, Saturday and half a day on Sunday. Um,
0: Working through the weekend.
1: Yeah. And so it was literally seven days a week. Right. um, Nonstop for four years. Um, And a lot of the students there didn't have to work. And so while I was working, they were there was more time for them to spend on their projects. Mm-hmm. So I always felt like I was behind or like I didn't mm-hmm. get to spend enough time on my projects because I I was working. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: <sighs> but you came out of there alive. I did. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. You graduated yeah. <laughs> at
1: some point in there. I sure did.
0: And then how did you land in Orlando, Florida?
1: Well, um, crazy story. My my degree was actually in 3D animation and a minor in photography. So they didn't actually offer photography as a major when I went. So I only took it as a as a minor. Okay. Um, And I worked uh, as an animator, a 3D animator for three months until I realized I hate this. Um, I don't want to do this the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. this is just like not for me. So um, I had to go take my bartending job back um, and kind of reassess what I wanted to do and um, it was basically you know changing degree I wanted to be a designer. Mm. Um, I wasn't necessarily animating. I was designing this the scenes, the textures the colors, the lighting so essentially I, I was designing. But I had a really strong foundation because I went to Ringling. So they really give you a, a strong foundation in any type of um, art direction you're mm-hmm. going to go in. Um, but I kind of had to restart. So what I did was I used my time as a bartender meeting and talking with new people and. Um, gaining clients that way. So Mm. I started a little freelance business and I started um, because I didn't have a design portfolio, so I couldn't get a design Ah. job. I had an animation reel. So I literally had to start over. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I used my time at bartending to drum up some clients and I I got some clients. Then I had some portfolio work and from there I just built it up and um, yeah, I started started designing, and um, I ended up being an art director for Sarasota Magazine, which was really glamorous. Got to go to all kinds of black tie parties and all kinds of fancy events, and
0: right. Um,
1: and I was also a photographer for the how, magazine.
0: How How old were you at this time?
1: Oh gosh, um, early twenties. Yeah, early twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it was a perfect time. Right. To going to galas and all kinds of sign um, me up. You know art events. Yeah, it was beautiful. Right. Um, and so I kind of, I maxed that out after a couple years. I was like, okay, I think I need to, you know, move to the big city. That's when I came to Orlando Uh in 2000.
0: Same. Yeah. I moved. We just had our 20 year. Yeah. I mean, this is the 20th year. Yeah. Yeah. 20 years. I love it. Yeah. It's insane to think that I've been in the city that long. I know.
1: It doesn't feel that long, but no. I've lived in Orlando longer than I've lived anywhere else mm-hmm. in my life.
0: Sure. Same. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 20 years. Mm-hmm. It's like such a, such an investment. Yes. And such a wild ride to see Orlando grow in the ways like 2000 to now. <sighs>
1: yeah. It's been amazing. Is
0: so, so incredibly different. So you, at some point, segued into the orlando magic
1: oh yeah yeah um yeah i met the you greatest experiences at some point
0: when you were there mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah i was the creative director at the orlando magic for five years yeah um i ran the design team there um it was amazing amazing people culture experiences mm-hmm. um and i loved it i I loved it. Um, and it was also one, leaving the magic was also one of the hardest decisions I've ever had mm. to make. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a, a big life change. I got divorced um, and I needed to work for a company that was going to offer me benefits, childcare. Um, you know, my son at the time was five. Mm. So, um, you know, I really needed to, to take a job that was going to offer me those stability. things that I needed mm-hmm. yeah. and stability. I knew nothing about basketball. I never watched a professional basketball game before. I had no idea who the players were. Um, and I didn't realize that there were, you know, 120 applicants mm-hmm. um, until much later. That's a lot. So when I found that out, I was just really proud of myself that I was able to to, I was the one to be selected, and then very shortly into working there, I just fell in love with everything about it. Mm. Um, and five years was the longest, longest period that I had ever like stayed at one job mm-hmm. before. So, um, yeah, it was awesome,
0: yeah. That's pretty amazing to be able to have had that experience, mm-hmm. Very right? And leading that team and having that knowledge and building your skills and then learning how to operate in that level of corporate world.
1: Yeah, it was a, a huge, uh, huge, huge shift mm-hmm. for me. And I had to learn a lot of hard lessons mm-hmm. quickly, um, you know, going from, you know, work working with a, you know, design community designing rock posters to now, you know, working in a corporation mm. with rules and politics. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a big learning curve, but it was one of the greatest ones I've ever had.
0: Yeah. As we grow into life and get to shape more of the things, there are things that are expected and unexpected, of course. Um, would you be able to like share one thing that was like a, a, like a hard moment of life or a really kind of like tough time and then kind of how you kind of like were in it and then kept on moving through it?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of career examples I I think that I could, I could probably share. But I think one of the most difficult times of my life was um, dealing with infertility Mm. and just really, really wanting to start a family. Yeah um, have a family, have a child and not being able to do that. Mm -hmm. And really having this work ethic, um, instilled in me of like, if you just, you try, you try your best, you keep trying and it'll happen. And this was the first time in my life that, that, that just wasn't the case. Um, it wasn't happening. Um, there was no reason for it. Um, nothing was wrong medically. Um, but yeah, so it was two years of, um, you know, a lot of really, really, uh, uh, tough times and a lot of heartache. Mm -hmm. Um, and so on my 30th Mm -hmm. birthday, um, I was at the beach and I said, you know, I've, I've always wanted to adopt a baby, Mm um. And I'd always thought that I would do that when I was older, right? I don't know. I think that 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 was, I think, maybe the way most people did it Mm -hmm. back then. And, you know, Ian's dad said, you know what? Yeah, I've always wanted to adopt a baby too. Why don't we do that? And I said, okay, we're going to adopt a baby. And that was the decision. And Mm -hmm. it was on my 30th birthday. And so we started the process, like, shortly after. Um, We researched all of the different options um, and we chose to adopt uh, internationally Mm -hmm. from Korea. Um, And so we went through the process and I I can say that there is no doubt in my mind Mm -hmm. that that was the greatest gift that Mm -hmm. I could have ever received Mm -hmm. and that um, maybe that's why I, I wasn't able to have a biological child because I, I know, I know for a fact that I was meant to have, Ian was meant to be my son. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's definitely been the, the hardest and greatest moment of my life. Yeah. My next
0: question was going (laughs) to (laughs) be, what is the proudest moment of your adult life? Um, and I thought I knew the answer, (laughs) which was getting Ian.
1: Yeah. For sure. But yeah. Yeah. So he, um, completely changed my world. Right. And then, um. How's that
0: journey been? Because now he is
1: 15. (sighs) He's 15. Yeah. Which is bananas Uh to even say. Right. In my mind, he's like, like, oh, I have an eight year old because that's like, I don't feel like I'm old enough to have a 15 year old. And it Mm -hmm. just went by so fast that it just seems still kind of bizarre. Right. Um. But, yeah, it's been an amazing journey. Mm -hmm. Um, The greatest, greatest moments of my life, some of the toughest times. I mean, it's tough being a parent. Sure. But I have to say it's tough to be a parent of a teenager. (laughs) You're in it, woman. You are in it. And he's a really, really great kid. I think that – You know, and he's not doing any of the things that I did when, like, all the bad things that I was doing at his age. Like, I was doing a lot of bad things, like, when I was his age. He's not doing any of that. Um, So I'm really grateful. Right. Grateful. Um, The
0: challenges are different.
1: Totally different. Right. The internet is a thing. Like, that's real tough.
0: I am so grateful to not have middle school and high school be recorded. On for posterity forever. Yeah, like yeah, it's that tough. the amount of pressure that they have. I so can't much. imagine. Obviously, I'm not in that world, but to be constantly like compared to the right, you have the world at your fingertips, right? And you can be compared yeah. or like to like. I mean, I'm an adult and I have to fight comparing myself to the world, but being of those like tender years and shaping your world by seeing the entire world in front of you. Yeah. That's a really.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, tough
0: road to navigate.
1: I just really try to have the empathy hmm. um, and awareness of that because hmm. I feel like they do have to deal so, with so much more than I had to deal with when right. I was that age. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I really just, it, it's tough. There's definitely times where I'm like, well, when I was your age, But you really can't say that because it's, it's a completely different time. It's completely different. Right. Um, And the tools that they have access to are completely different. Mm -hmm. So you really have to adapt and really um, think before you say things like that. Right. Yeah.
0: This probably feels like shooting a moving target. Yeah, that sometimes. That's how I've heard <laughs> other parents describe it. Sometimes, <laughs> Not yeah. that I would know, but yeah. it's right. I feel like that's got to be <sighs> so challenging. Also, I mean, I'm I'm trying to sort my emotions as an adult. I can't imagine being in the throes of teenage years. Trying yeah, to, and especially you know,
1: during this time, too. You know, it's just like they're really bored, mm-hmm. super bored, mm-hmm. you know. We're going to get through it, though. But, yeah. Yeah. yeah he's starting 10th grade. Um, and God. so there's this immense pressure f- on myself of, like, trying to get everything in that I always dreamed I was going to get in before, I, like, he could possibly leave for college. So, right. like, it's this constant pressure of of just making every single moment count.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And just not wanting to miss anything. The, the the thing that's more difficult for me is that he wants his space. And he doesn't want to have me in every single moment of, <laughs> right. of his life. <laughs> so Can you imagine that? I think that's a teenage good. boy. Yeah, I mean, I would kill my mom if, if I did that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's
0: so good. Um Well, it's just been like such an honor to see you throughout the times that I have known you for the past however many years. And the way that you um, kind of analyze and approach things and the amount of dedication that you like serve your either your work or your family with is like such an admirable um, expression of, you know, your love for your craft and your love for your family and friends and community and just like who you are. And in the times when we used to be out socially together, right. you know, just like being, um, like a fun, safe person, you know, to be Thank around you. has always been Thank such you. an honor Likewise. for me. <laughs> Likewise, <laughs> Yeah. So one thing that we now know that we connect on, obviously when we initially met, which was so many years ago. I'm trying to remember the year, but it was, you're still
1: 2015.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. You were still at the magic. Yeah. 2015. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so jumping into the Enneagram, yeah. which is something that I of course am very passionate about and you always, yeah, any opportunity that I can, I feel like Dig in and help me understand those in my life better and understand kind of like where they're coming from and how I interact with other people, where they're coming from, gives me a really beautiful like structure to help me like see... I think the motivation is like the motivation behind things. And so when I can kind of understand that and then see how everything in their life like ripples out from that, it's just a helpful narrative for me to see with somebody. And then obviously we're not in our, we're not in our box or in our number, but the roadmap to maybe somebody's inner workings of their mind versus just having kind of no idea for me has been a very powerful tool in that way. And so we, you have landed, we have landed that you would qualify yourself as a number eight. A number eight. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and the crowd goes wild. Woo! I'm still trying to embrace it. I'm still trying a to embrace female it. eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. number eight. Mm-hmm. And I think that people who know me are probably not surprised that I'm an
0: eight. I think initially when I was thinking, I was like, because I thought for a while you were a three,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? And then I think digging in d- deeper, you kind of digging in deeper and then write th- the motivation part yeah. of like the, the the threes and the eights are very similar in the sense that they have the capacity to see the vision and then just whatever it takes to go after it and to accomplish it. And so threes have this desire to just kind of Set goals for themselves and crush it. You know, they just they love and we need the people that can like execute things and do it well and with excellence right. and like know how to get things done. Um, and then eights are also very capable in that sense. And then their motivation is to do something that is different in the world mm. and to get in there and see sometimes the things that people maybe can't see and then encourage everyone along yes. and then have a plan. And you're great at having a plan and knowing how to execute that. And I'm
1: a planner. You are
0: very much a planner, a planner. more than me, yeah. I think. Yeah. And
1: I think what I've learned about being an eight about myself that I didn't, I wasn't truly aware of, but once I learned it, I was like, oh yeah, I am like that, um, is a protector. Mm. So, um, I feel the Mm -hmm. need when I feel there is, uh, someone is, is being, uh, attacked or, um, you know, is in need. I I feel the need to protect them. Mm -hmm. Um, primarily of course with my son, I mean, I think that that also has to just be with being a mom right but um once I learned that I I, I started to realize that I'm v- I was very protective of my my team members mm-hmm. so um you know at work like running a creative team and the people who are on my team and if they um you know were in distress or yeah. were treated badly Um, Or not being respected or overworked. I felt this great intensity to protect them. Yeah. And what I learned was that not everybody wants to be protected. Mm. Hmm. And so sometimes. That's um, so interesting. Yeah. They want to take care of it themselves. Right. They don't want someone to take care of it for them. And I really had to. To unwind that part mm-hmm. of me because in my mind I that's so thought, fascinating. Like this is my job. Who doesn't
0: want somebody to right. look out? Or sometimes maybe fight their battles. Yeah, but I'm then lead, they're I'm also a
1: team. I'm there. leading a team, so right. that, In my mind, that is what I was there to do: is to protect them. And that's not what I was there to do. I was I'm there to lead hmm. and to guide. And so, yeah, it was a big learning experience for me to like, oh, okay, not everybody wants that type Mm -hmm. of protection. And so to kind of back off and be more self-aware in that in that area. So that was a big a big um, growth period for me.
0: Sure. Mm -hmm. It is always fascinating to like sometimes, I mean, it's fascinating and also very hard to sometimes be aware of your blind spots, right? Yes. So we think we know all the things and eights are actually usually right about things. And it's often the delivery. (laughs) It is the delivery of how we're right and how we can lead well. Um, we're not always right. And so sometimes, you know, that's hard to like leave room, leave space open for like, well, what if I'm not right? Right. Um, and then also inviting people into like having their own voice in there. Cause like eights can also be very um, set on their agenda and like yes. they, what they want to happen. And so they can um, maybe sometimes willingly or unwillingly kind of bulldoze through situations. And so allowing people the space to like have their voice and to say, I want to fight my own battle, or this is my opinion. And I think that I find in friendships and in life, um, for me, I don't necessarily think that I am argumentative in a sense of like, I don't love debating. I don't, um, I don't love arguing just to argue, but eights often have a very strong backbone and they, they can stand up very firmly and especially as a female, that's not always, The norm or encouraged or, um, yeah, like pushing back from a female, like with a very strong opinion can be, can be taken by some people as intimidating. Yes. Which often is not... The intent intent or the end result that you want is just like, I have the capacity to stand up for myself and I encourage and I expect other people to stand up for themselves. And when they don't, I have a hard time, like I have, I have a hard time not respecting them. But in a sense, like it's frustrating, it's frustrating because I stand up for myself. I expect for you to, and if you can't, and and if you have a a differing opinion, it doesn't mean that like, I'm always going to think my way is right, but I want you to have enough courage to stand up to me and say like, well, I don't think that's the way it's going to be. Or like to push back doesn't always mean like the conflict is almost like an honor to say like, you can push back against me and we can have this like back and forth. And it's not a sense of like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to win. It's like, I'm trying to understand more because I want, for me, I want to like, know I I want somebody to not shy away if I like present my opinion or, or present something that they don't necessarily agree with. And then they have, the strength to kind of come back at me and I'm like, great, let's talk about it. Or like, like if I'm putting out my opinion strongly, I'm not assuming that that's the only way to go through it. It's just like, I, this is how I feel. If you feel differently, let's talk about it, right? Let's have dialogue. Let's honor each other enough. And those are spaces that I find I get myself in trouble with sometimes like, um, If I'm interpreted, interpreted maybe by other people who don't have the same, maybe view like lens that we have, maybe as eights to say, I have to know that not everyone's going to have the intention to like push back against me because I have no problem pushing back against other people. Being
1: aggressive. Right. Well, I think, I think aggressive. So I, I. I think the perception is that it's very aggressive and very, um, like you said, you know, bulldozing, um, kind of in loud in your face, sort of, sort of way of thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's what has been tough for me because like you, like you're saying, like, that's never the intent. Mm -hmm. The intent isn't to, to be that way, but it's, I think builds up from a frustration of people not wanting to kind of have that, that, that dialogue and be strong and stand up for themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So in a way it's like, you're getting your point across, but it's always like you want them to stand up for themselves as well. Right. Yeah. That's the whole intent. Yeah. And I think that as I get older and more aware,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, I, I now understand that I can articulate things mm. in a strong tone without being, having that like aggression,
0: right? Um,
1: you know, but I think, especially when I was younger and, and trying to get, you know, a place in my career, mm. I felt that that was the only way that I, I could be heard. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So I I, uh, I constantly felt like I had to, like, fight for everything.
0: Mm. Like,
1: I have to, if I believed I w- had a solution or it needed mm-hmm. to be a certain way, like, I had to fight hard for that. And I think So it that, mel-
0: mostly felt like a defensive strategy. Yeah,
1: a little bit. Right. Yeah. But, like, like really just... Um, you know, harsh, I think. Hmm. Um, and I, I think now I understand the more I learn about myself and, and my, my personality traits and empathy, emotional intelligence. yeah, I understand that there's, there's ways to go about it, um, where you can still get the same result, but it doesn't have to be that harsh. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the toughest thing when I, When I found out I was an eight, I didn't want to be an eight. (laughs) Same. (laughs) I did not want to be an eight. I was actually really, like, it really upset me. Mm -hmm. I, when I got the result, I was so excited to take the test. And then when I got the result, I I was really upset about it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was a couple of years ago, I think, and I'm still trying I've embraced it, but I think I'm I'm aware that I'm an eight and what the eight traits are. And so I really try, really try. To
0: look out for them.
1: Yeah. So like if I, if I have to write an, uh, an, an email, maybe that's <laughs> like, I'm, maybe I'm a little hot under oh. the collar. <laughs> Back in the day, I would write the email in that moment and hit send and not uh-huh. think anything about it. Right. And just be like, oh, well, the... Well, I'll, like, take whatever's going to come after that, right? Right. I definitely don't do that now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I will think about it. I'll write the email. I'll let it sit. I'll wait. I'll wait. Same. I'll even share the email sometimes with sure. other people to say, hey, does this read too How's harsh? the tone of
0: this? Yeah. Is
1: this okay?
0: Give me your insight because right now this I want to, like, blast yeah. through the universe. Right.
1: Right. And then I'll still sit with it. And then when I know, okay, I think I'm in a much better place now. I'll Mm. reread it and then I'll hit send. Yeah. Um, It's exhausting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It is exhausting. We could talk
0: about this all day. How much time do we have at this, to talk about this specific moment? Because. Yeah. I had a breakthrough, not a breakthrough, but like I, I think when people understand the level that you deal with this constantly. Cause I feel constant. This is constant. Like when I want to respond yes. to it, like don't even get me started on social media, but like I had a text with a friend anyway. So I had this text that I wrote out what I wanted to say um and I had to like take a couple hours and I yeah. and I, I ended up re- rewriting it. It's worth it. And then I sent it, <laughs> and then things just turned out so much more agreeable. Yes. But like the fight that it took me, that I don't think people understand. To, I'm always editing within myself.
1: Always, always.
0: And that takes a lot of emotional energy. Yes. 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 Um. And that's part of the DNA that we're given. But I wanted to go back because I think it's very, very interesting that um, a lot of times, like they say, the Enneagram is like a mirror, right? Mm -hmm. So it's holding this mirror to us, the good and the bad and the ugly. And so when I learned that I was an eight, I was like, well, I don't want to be an eight. Like, no, thank you. Like, right. I want to be a seven or I want to be.
1: I took it I twice. You took it twice. <laughs> I wanted it to change. It. Didn't. I took
0: it, it didn't. and I tested it as a seven and a friend of mine was like, oh no, you're definitely an eight. And I was yeah. like, mm, no, thank you. I don't want All to be right. an eight. Yeah. So then I read the eight and I was like, oh shit, like yeah. this is so eerily. Dead on yeah. to me, like even the, like the parts that I don't like, of course, but then there are parts that I saw like, wow, like some of this is, is very beautiful, right? Because I think it is a beautiful thing to want to stand up for your friends and to want to protect people and to have a strong enough voice to stand up, especially as a woman, like in an industry um, that takes a very special person. And I think a very special DNA to have that and to see the people that have gone before I think has been a beautiful thing, but it's hard to to have a mirror held up to you to look to say, yeah, there's, there are beautiful things. I think that was a revelation, but there's also things that like when you're unhealthy, you need to, you need to watch out or like here are some of the triggers yes. and here are some of the indicators that you're kind of heading down an unhealthy. And that was a revelation to me of like, oh, I can just, almost, almost like put, like write them out and put them on a mirror or something so I can look at them and say, all right, Dana, like when you, when those things are coming into your mind, like maybe you pause and maybe you need to like, you know, eight, eight's they eights, they're, they're living inside the anger, you know? And so yes. that kind of sits in there and that can be a beautiful thing to inspire change and it can be a destructive thing to burn down. Right friendships, family, whatever, you know? So being able to get a better, I think, um, like honest eyes.
1: Yeah, it has, it has really changed. It's changed me. Knowing that I'm an eight has changed me for the better mm-hmm. because I'm much more aware of those things. Because I was so upset about it, I really looked at those things. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm acute. cute acutely aware Mm. of those things. And then therefore I am able to adjust myself and change for the better. Right. Um, And I don't think that that would have happened. I think that I was depending on going to therapy or growing or reading books.
0: Therapy is also.
1: Therapy is amazing.
0: Yeah. All of them in tandem are. all,
1: All of it. Right. But I think really understanding that, that I'm clearly an eight and mm. kind of embracing that and then, um, mm-hmm. you know, adjusting to that has really been really positive for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it freed me up to see these things that sometimes I felt like, why am I this why way? Am I like this? Thank you. Yes. And to have language that like, one, you're not alone. Yeah. And two, you're not so crazy, crazy. That other people don't react in the same.
1: And then when I meet another eight and I... As yourself, and I love them, and I'm like, that's a wonderful person. Wait, they're an eight? (laughs) I'm an eight. (laughs) Oh, you're an eight too? Oh, they're amazing. They are amazing. Okay, so I'm being super critical of myself
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, because I know other eights and I think they're awesome. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, um, let's just try to figure this out.
0: Yeah, using to the advantage what I think the amazing skills are too. And saying like, Oh, it's not all harsh and like intense. Like there are really beautiful things that come out of learning about how you're innately like created, which I think is such a beautiful thing.
1: It's bizarre.
0: So you said that you had maybe not as much, um, awareness or con- like, um, As far as like the wings, which are the seven or the nine, the wings. I haven't been able to get deep
1: yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So the seven is the enthusiast Uh and the nine is the peacemaker. Uh Uh-huh. And I feel from the person that I have known that you lean more towards the seven. Okay. In times pre global pandemic, Uh like your enthusiasm for life. I mean, even though it's just the same word, but, um, the, it, the energy at which you kind of like love to engage things, Mm -hmm. you know, you love to engage people you love, Mm -hmm. you had loved being right, you know, being around people and, um, you know, just enjoying the, Expansive uh, things that life has to offer, right? So Very I feel much. like you love um, exploring and being a part of a lot of things and trying new places. And I, I think that you have Sounds this, right. yeah, this beautiful, like strong, um, strong work and strong, uh, you know, personality. But then the other part of it is like paired with this, like you know, like a fun energy and a fun. Um, outlook on life that Mm -hmm. you can like pair with your hardworking self so it's not all just like
1: that's gonna be my homework
0: right Yeah. yeah the nine which is the peacemaker um is often on the lower end of like the energy scale and so they're often um yeah kind of always concerned about the people around them and how oh. everyone like just, just making sure everyone is feeling like there's no tension anywhere.
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I don't like that at all. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm also a people pleaser. hmm. So, um, you know, I like to make sure everyone's happy,
0: which is so like interesting for an eight because yeah. an eight is the disruptor, right? right. They're like, right. they can, they can really be I can certainly disrupt, right? Certainly <laughs> disrupt. But also we want to make sure everything we're, we're okay. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. So it's this, like, it is so interesting just how we navigate the world and how we're created. And like, for me, it's just this constant internal struggle between, you know, pushing people and sometimes people need to be pushed right and sometimes you need to like have a strong fo- forceful voice and then also know when like enough is enough and like you know like you don't need to push people into oblivion or right. right so so i mean it's the enneagram is never ending which is i think a really i
1: highly recommend it.
0: You highly recommend yeah. it. Yeah. even,
1: even for the I'm a beginner even yeah. For a beginner. Yeah. But
0: Yeah. Okay. So we'll, we will move into the, the final topic, which is one of my absolute favorites, which I know that you're, I'm, I'm interested to hear what your responses are, but rest is something that I think people don't do enough, talk about enough, engage with enough, um, how we take time. I mean, it's been very, I think, interesting and probably surprising for a lot of people during the past four months, especially the first two months, which was a complete shock to the system. The two months that we were in Orlando, Florida, very much in lockdown. Um, I know you said for you, it was a very startling time. Um, And you know, rest in a sense is not just not physical activity, but just rest as far as like renewing yourself, renewing your mind, your body, your spirit, taking that intentional time, whether it, whether it's physical rest or it's play, um, exploring, um, digging into your kind of inner work, doing some inner work. Like what does rest look like to you maybe now? And, Like, how has how does rest show up in your life?
1: Well, you have been a huge influence on me for recognizing how important rest is. So, I mean, honestly, I had never thought about it before or knew that I how important it was until Mm. you and I had a conversation about it. Mm -hmm. You said, girl, yeah, you need to rest. You need to give yourself that. Mm -hmm. um, So it's very difficult for me. Right. To rest, it's it's very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit easier now because I think I'm just like I'm I'm home <laughs> more right. often. I do try to be intentional about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I I was doing a really good job with rest before I got my new job Mm. and now I have my new job. And so I, I feel you're
0: a worker bee.
1: Yeah. I'm a worker bee. And because I'm working from home, Mm -hmm. it's tough to shut it off, but I'm definitely intent more intentional about that. Um, and oddly enough rest for me, I would say Mm -hmm. right now during this time is what what really relaxes me and unwind like I I unwind I can like okay I'm feeling like yeah I'm it, this is for me, is watching like crime shows and same <laughs> yes I love like all of A murder like mystery murder documentaries and it's like I mean like the real stuff and
0: sometimes when it's too real crime it freaks me out
1: i just yeah and i know people think it's so creepy Uh but i'm like no i i could literally watch it Uh all day have you watched marcella yes
0: okay Broadchurch. yes obviously the fall
1: the fall (sighs) um i mean uh i can't remember the one i just saw um, it's it's on the Golden State Killer. Um, it's on HBO right now. Right. Um, but it's tough because you can't binge, so I have to wait until Sunday for the next episode, which is really difficult. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh-huh. if I get in into a headspace where I'm like, okay, I'm I'm gonna relax, I'm gonna relax today. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's my relaxing. Sure. That's my rest. I think that there's something
0: about getting lost in a story and getting, having a space for your mind can rest. And right. like, I mean, yes. it sounds like bizarre to think like, oh, you're going to watch something murderous. And that is a way right. of resting. Right,
1: right.
0: Um, and eights have a tendency, they they can, um, so I think it's good and it's something to like watch out for. But for me, it's like a way to like really check out in a good way to say like I can turn my brain off I can get lost in a story I kind of need a chunk of time versus like I'm not like a one episode person yes right right right, I need like a chunk of time Mm -hmm. to really unwind and sometimes even you're watching these things that are kind of like anxiety producing but it is like engaging you to me on all my senses (laughs) and it's just like a way to kind of pause the world for a moment. And there, there can be eights can also one of our, you know, um, vices, if you will, is, is, um, is lust in the sense of like, we want more, we want, we lust for everything. So we want like yes. more and more and more. Right. <laughs> yes. I want it all. I want to like you know, have all the drinks or I want to have all the TV. I want to have all the food. I I want accurate. Right. Yeah. And so those are the things to kind of like the checks and balances to say, like, for me having kind of a a binge, but I can't do that for four days in a row. Right. Right. So it's like, I can have this X amount of time and I feel like, oh man, I really, feel that that was worth my time.
1: I'm able to escape. Right. It's the only, it's one of the times where I can not think about anything else or Mm -hmm. what I should, what I should be doing or could be doing. Right. And I would say the other, the other, um, part of rest for me is, Mm. um, cooking,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: and it's not just the cooking part; it's the planning. So, what what am I going to make? Uh-huh. What do I need? Looking
0: up recipes, looking
1: it up, figuring it out. Yeah, um, really planning the whole thing and then actually cooking it. Um, it's just real. It's cathartic. Really, really relaxing for me. Yeah. 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 Not baking. Hate bacon. No, measuring so involved. technical. So measuring. No, thank you. But yeah, I love to cook. Yeah, um, I really, really enjoy it, and nothing makes me happier than when somebody enjoys something that I made. Like, yeah. to me, that is just you know pure happiness.
0: Same. Final, well, almost final question. But um, if you could have, like, a dream day off, a dream day of rest, COVID was not a thing, the world was your oyster, money was of no issue, if you, like, could wake up and have a full day of Kelly just to, like, do whatever you pleased, what would, what would, like, a dream day off look like? Oh could be goodness. here, it could be anywhere.
1: Oh, yeah. It would probably be... Um... In Italy, mm. um, being outside with the fresh air, mm-hmm. drinking wine, cooking, um, being with friends, family. Um, to me, that just it's like a dream really, world. really, really dreamy. Um, more realistic would be um, going to the beach. I mean, just really even just like packing a, a quick cooler and mm. sitting at the beach mm-hmm. and just that's just it just sitting there and yeah. relaxing and yeah listening to the ocean and the sand I, I love that so, <gasps> um, that that has been since we have gone to the beach a, a couple times during this time has has really been like the best days yeah yeah
0: that sounds like a very dreamy both of those scenarios sound very dreamy. Yeah. Day off. So final question for real is, uh, do you have a mantra or a motto or something that you kind of guide your life by, a word of wisdom that you would share with us?
1: Mm. Well, it's probably something that my grandfather always used to say to me, which is measure twice, cut once. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, he was a carpenter, so, um, you know, that, that was, you know, part of his craft, you know, but essentially it's, listen, you know, really think, really think about it, think about it once, think about Mm -hmm. it twice and then pull the trigger, pull the trigger. Yeah. So I think that, um, that's, that's always something that I, that I live by.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. That's beautiful.
1: (laughs) Thank you. You're beautiful. Um, where
0: would we find you on social media now in the world?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, only on Instagram. I'm on Facebook, but I I have taken a little break from Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, you can find me on Instagram at kromano88.
0: Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, Kelly, for taking time to sit with me. Oh my gosh. My pleasure. Yes. Until next time. Ciao. 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 Thank you a million times over for listening to Cocktails and Conversation podcast. I hope you have enjoyed all of it. If you have, would you do me a huge favor and rate, comment, and subscribe for more Cocktails and
1: Conversation?